Walking distance is supported by Gossamer Gear. Whether you're looking to break into backpacking or you're an experienced thru-hiker and want to upgrade your kit, Gossamer Gear has got you covered. Based out of Austin, Texas, Gossamer Gear has been supplying backpackers with high-quality, lightweight backpacking gear for 15 years, including their 17-ounce bomb-proof trekking pole tent called The One and their 60-liter Mariposa Pack. Under two pounds and loaded with pockets, it's strong enough to allow you to comfortably carry your load. And some good news for you as a listener of Walking Distance. You can score a 15% discount at gossamergear.com by using code WALKINGDISTANCE at checkout. Again, that's 15% off with code WALKINGDISTANCE, all one word, at gossamergear.com. In South Sudan, for example, you know, it wasn't exactly hiking, but I had to camp out in a marshy area where there was one tribe that was being slaughtered by the surrounding soldiers. And so I was trying to do interviews and, you know, there was, I don't know, hotel within hundreds of miles. And so I, I just camped out with them. And so things like making sure that you have clean water to drink and, you know, have food and have protection from rain and, and mosquitoes and so on. I mean, that all applied. Uh, likewise in Darfur, I made a dozen trips to Darfur covering the genocide there. And that was always uh, camping out and, you know, bringing my, my backpack. But then I'd also have to somewhere in there throw a, a blazer so that if I interviewed the foreign minister, uh, <laughs> then I could, you know, I would have something a little bit more presentable to wear as well. <laughs> you know, I think those backpacking skills did prove useful on a lot of assignments, but it wasn't kind of recreational hiking. It was survival hiking. From the Trek, this is Walking Distance, a show for hikers, trekkers, trampers, and wanderers that proves any place worth seeing can be reached by walking there, and that it's even better when you carry all you need in a backpack. I'm Blissful Hiker, also known as Allison Young, and on today's show I'm talking with New York Times columnist, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, and hardcore section hiker, Nicholas Kristof. I invited him on the show to answer the question, when we have busy and demanding work lives, how do we, and perhaps why should we, make time for backpacking? I began reading Nicholas Kristof during the build-up to the Iraq War. What always moved me was his clear-eyed reporting on some of the world's most heartbreaking horrors—famines and starvation— wars and political uprisings, as well as genocides, which he's covered faithfully at much risk to his life. It was in a conversation with a trail angel some years ago that I learned Nicholas Kristof was hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, and he was doing so in sections over several years with his daughter Caroline. It occurred to me that here was a guy doing the thing that I love so much while continuing to do really important work as a writer. But backpacking is not something that Kristoff dabbles in. Backpacking has always been very much a part of his life and something that's shaped his outlook, too. Hiking with his daughter is in some ways a mirror to how things began for him— as a kid growing up on a farm in Yamhill, Oregon, about an hour southwest of Portland. 
It's orchard land, with Mount Hood and the Cascades beckoning in the distance. So my parents took me on backpacking trips when I was a little kid. My dad would hunt wild boar, which were never really in great jeopardy. But it was an excuse to take us on trips of, of several days into the national forests. And uh, I, I just loved it. Then when I was a teenager um, and trying to assert my independence, uh, beginning at about age 13, my friends and I would disappear into the Cascade Mountains in Oregon, and it was a way of showing how grown up we were. So I wanted to give my kids that same experience. And we also found that, you know, when we took our kids on car trips, they pretty much killed each other. And (laughs) with backpacking, they would exhaust each other so they wouldn't actually ever get around to killing each other. So talk about your hiking relationship with Caroline, your daughter. You section hiked the PCT over six years, but this is like at a time when a lot of teenagers are kind of breaking away from their parents. I'd taken Caroline on overnight trips, I think beginning when she was about two, and she was already doing a fair amount of hiking with the rest of the family. But when they were teenagers, our two sons who were older, I think they really didn't see a lot of return in hanging out with mom and dad (laughs) and going backpacking. (laughs) And so they became less enthusiastic. Well, Caroline really loved it. So we decided to hike across Oregon in over a few summers. And then when we were finishing Oregon, we thought, well, okay, well, we'll we'll add Washington State to it on the PCT. And then when we had done Oregon and Washington, we thought, okay, now we've done, you know, two thirds of of, <laughs> of the trail by state anyway. And so we'll, we'll just add California. And so it was really this marvelous joint venture uh, over her teenage years and uh, this wonderful window when she was strong enough to hike long distances and I was not yet decrepit. <laughs> and as you say, a period when kids often are growing their own wings and want to fly away and when, frankly, uh, we were all uh, focused on our own screens and our own worlds. And it was really great to spend that time with Caroline when neither of us could be on our screens. And we were stuck together and challenged together. And uh, it was one of the best things that I've done and I think one of the best things she's done. So did you give yourself trail names or were they given to you? Boy, it's been a long time. I think I gave myself my trail name of Scribbler and... Caroline, I, I guess we helped devise uh, her name of Tumblr, although it uh, it was constantly prone to misinterpretation. We she was a, g- a gymnast in uh, as a child, and so we called her Tumblr after um, her gymnastics. But people kept you know thinking this because she was always falling down and uncoordinated. And I remember one there was one uh, through hiker we hiked with for a while who kept uh, calling her Tumbles, which kind of infuriated her. <laughs> So you you section hiked um, the PCT, and I just wanted to kind of talk about the difference between section hiking and through hiking. I mean, obviously, there's restrictions um, in our in our lives. You know, we section hike mainly because, you know, we have a full time job, a lot of um, expectations. But there are also some benefits to section hiking. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So. You know, there are definitely disadvantages. And I think one of the things that through hikers love is that they, you know, see the same people um, week after week, month after month. And and there is this camaraderie of people who know each other. I missed that. On the other hand, 
this was a way that I could manage the trails uh, in conjunction with a job that I love and that I care about and that I could escape for a little while, but, uh, but not for months at a time. There's also something kind of nice about knowing that, you know, every summer you're going to be out on the trail. Um, typically, we would do that twice. We would do, say, one hike in May in the desert and then one maybe in August uh, in, the, in the mountains. So we got two shots at each each year. And, you know, that chance of coming back year after year having this appointment with the mountains, this date with the PCT was really pretty glorious. Also, you never got too exhausted because, you know, you, after 10 days or so, then it'd be time to uh, go back. You never managed to just accept this as routine and boring. It was always this privilege to be out there uh, bitten by mosquitoes and scorched by the sun. So it was, <laughs> it was uh, they're, they're trade-offs, certainly, um, but it, there's, there is really something to be said for um, section hiking. But I, I did find it interesting when I was reading about your hiking how you really push yourself, even though it's like this, you know, 10-day vacation you're looking forward to. It's like you take no zero days, you don't spend time in town, you walk 30 miles. I mean, you really push yourself. And that, that's where Caroline promptly pushes back. <laughs> well, so it started out with me indoctrinating her and controlling her information and very much hiking my style, which is uh, ultralight, hiking long distances, getting up early, you know, hiking till it gets dark. And then she took a gap year between high school and college. And she did about, oh, maybe five or 600 miles uh, on her own that summer, well, with a, with a trail family. And that trail family just ruined her. Um, you know, she uh, she suddenly became aware that there were other ways to hike, and uh, we had always not used a stove, but just uh, carried cold food, partly for convenience. And so, you know, then when she realized that actually you could hike and enjoy hot food, and um, you know that some people carried wipes, she then decided that uh, she didn't want to go quite so ultralight, and maybe wanted to have hot food on occasion and, um, you know, maybe stop an hour before sunset. Uh, and and so uh, we've been kind of teasing each other about this ever since that, uh, you know, she teases me about eating the same cold foods day after day after day. And I, you know, wring my hands at her bringing wipes uh, to, uh, <laughs> to to clean up sometimes. <laughs> That's just heresy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So have you, I'm curious about ultralight. Have you always been mostly ultralight in your backpacking style? Even when I when I was carrying a lot of weight as a as a kid, I sort of believed in ultralight. One of the things that got me into backpacking was uh, there was a, a great backpacking writer called Colin Fletcher. He was a writer in the 1960s and 70s who wrote best-selling books about the glories of hiking, and he sawed his toothbrush in half to cut weight when he took it. And uh, and so I, of course, I did the same thing. And at that point, it wasn't really possible to go ultralight by modern standards. But I, I carried a tarp and not a tent, for example, as a teenager. And I tried to cut weight every way uh, I could. I'm not a total extremist in that front, but I really do try to cut weight as much as I reasonably can. Although I must say in my old age, I've become a little more fond of um, of sleeping pads. And so, <laughs> I'm, uh, 
that that's an area where you know don't look too closely if I carry a a little more of a pad than maybe I should. Um, just this is a little off topic, but I wanted to ask you how do you plan? you know, stay in shape, organize resupplies and stuff while you're in your, you know, I guess, quote unquote, normal life of traveling and writing, you know, getting ready for these. You know, it's kind of fun to, it's a little bit of escapism to sort of think about resupply or think about where I might go hiking. And um, uh, especially in the winter, I always feel a little bit itchy. And so, you know, I I pick up my Sierra High Route book uh, and take a look at that and think, oh, you know, how about doing that? And and then look at the planning. And um, in terms of staying in shape, I, I, I run every day. And so, you know, I don't do anything special for uh, for the hiking. Um, and I, I do carry a lot of blister medication because, invari- you know, not invariably maybe, but, but often I do end up, you know, when you go from no hiking to all of a sudden 30-mile days, you do get blisters, I find. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. I'm Blissful Hiker, and my guest this week is Nicholas Kristoff, an award-winning columnist for The New York Times, who carves out the space he needs from a demanding schedule to escape to wilderness for a few weeks of backpacking every year. I would not call him a weekend warrior. He makes a real commitment to backpacking, a passion that got its start when he was a kid and never left him. Like a lot of us, he grabs the time he can to get out there, but he pushes himself hard for weeks at a time, hiking sunrise to sunset to maximize the moment. Christoph completed the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, with his daughter over six summers, and now he's working on the PNT, the Pacific Northwest Trail, and doing this with his pod, his wife, their daughter, and her boyfriend. I think it's not easy to find a hiking partner you connect with, even if you're related to them maybe especially if you're related to them, finding the same groove of speed and distance covered, as well as what to eat, where and how to sleep, and how much weight to carry doesn't always work out. I find it interesting that Christoph says he's had an ultralight mentality since his teens, but it's a term that's only been around since the early 90s, when another PCT hiker named Ray Jardine extolled the benefits of carrying less gear in order to move faster and sustain fewer injuries. Although it might be fair to say it was Grandma Gatewood traversing the Appalachian Trail in the 50s who was the original ultralight hiker, using a hand-sewn duffel bag to hold her blanket, a plastic sheet, and food. Kristoff doesn't quite take things that far, but I'd venture to say he believed in the concept of ultralight before it was cool. And maybe, in some way, traveling light accounts for his success as a writer, and as one classmate from Harvard described him, the Indiana Jones of their class of journalists. When we come back, Nicholas Kristof compares his life on tough foreign assignments to life as a backpacker and also reminds us that wilderness is our shared heritage. I'm Blissful Hiker, and you're listening to Walking Distance. Walking Distance is supported by John Reamer & Associates. On a backpack trip, you wouldn't think of heading out without a map, a compass, and a guidebook. Planning for a healthy financial future is much the same. It's a step-by-step process. And at John Reamer & Associates, you'll get personalized financial advice to help you reach your goals today and tomorrow. 
With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Be inspired at johnremer.com. A private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, located in Minnesota with over 30 years of experience. This is Walking Distance from the Trek, a show that proves any place worth seeing can be reached by walking there. I'm Blissful Hiker. This week I'm speaking with Nicholas Kristoff, prize-winning columnist for The New York Times, trail name Scribbler. He's traveled to 150 countries, and it would seem to me he's seen it all. One trip of nearly a dozen that he took to war-torn Sudan caught my attention. He apparently sneaked into Sudan illegally from Chad, and his interpreter was detained at a checkpoint. Christoph refused to leave his interpreter's side, which could have ended badly for both of them. So I kind of assumed that when he backpacks in the wilderness, Christoph never feels fear. By any objective standard, a <laughs> a warlord or <laughs> some checkpoint with drunken soldiers in in South Sudan is going to be much more perilous than uh, anything in the mountains. But I, I do think that we have some, you know, hardwired concern about predators. And I sometimes get nervous, even though I know that it's not a terribly rational concern, uh, you know, about cougars or when uh, in the PNT uh, in Montana about uh, grizzly bears. And I heard different things about how well grizzly bears can hear. Um, It always occurred to me that a uh, elderly grizzly bear who's hard of hearing uh, that they <laughs> that the bear bells might not be terribly effective. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you would probably describe your your backpacking experiences as a diversion, a vacation, a kind of escape, or I mean, even a therapy or something. Yeah, I, I think it is in a couple of respects. Part of it is that I'm always online. I'm always clued into the news. I'm always you know, paying attention to some crisis unfolding somewhere. And I'm always within a couple of days of filing a column. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I tweet constantly. And so it is just fantastic to put screens aside and to be uh, out of range. And uh, just with Caroline or my wife, you know, that's a refuge from the news and the craziness of the world. Another is kind of a therapy, as you say. There's been some work in social psychology about how nature and greenery in particular is kind of a salve to 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 trauma, to PTSD, to to things we encounter. And I find, you know, hiking in the fields and the forests is a way to get beyond things that have you know really troubled me or moved me or or stressed me and um i find it deeply therapeutic in that respect yeah you know the pandemic is changing our relationship to the outdoors there's so many more people using public lands using the trails i mean sometimes misusing the trails um but do you think overall it's a good thing then that people are getting out more Yeah, I really do. I mean, I think that actually the environmental community is focused very much on preservation of wild space. And obviously that's critical. That's really important. But I don't think that over the last 50 years, it has focused as much as it should on building a constituency 
for preserving those wild places by getting people out in the outdoors. And I think that that becomes critical in the long run for building up that constituency. So, you know, we have to save uh, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, for example. But I think the way we get people to care about it is to also get more people to enjoy it. And right now, national forests are under the agriculture department and they're going to manage as a resource. Same with BLM lands. And I think that the way we understand that they are not simply, you know, a resource for timber companies or uh, local farmers, cattle ranchers, is by uh, getting Americans off the couches and on the trails. And so I really believe that we should be doing more in terms of encouraging trails, promoting trails, create more opportunities for people to to hike. I think that's just great for the outdoors and and for preserving the outdoors. Yeah, I think in your National Geographic article, you talked about your summer place uh, being on Mount Hood. There's one spot in Paradise Park on Mount Hood that I try to go to and camp by a creek. And just, you know, one of the most gorgeous camp spots in the world. It's all mine if I get there and nobody else is there and for, for zero cost. At a time when so much else is parceled out by capacity to pay, it's really a tribute to the glory of America's wilderness system that it's equal access. So just one last question. If you could share just one thing with someone who's, you know, considering giving backpacking a try. I mean, maybe they've hiked, but they haven't started backpacking. What would you say? I guess I'd say that... (laughs) there are traumas and the mosquitoes are going to be there and, you know, it's going to rain unexpectedly and you're going to get blisters. But despite that, and to some degree because of it, it's just a fantastic escape from the lives we have the rest of the year that, and it, I think it teaches us something about ourselves that, you know, most of the time, we go to the thermostat and we adjust it, you know, one degree <laughs> on the wall. And then and then there we are out in the, you know, in the forest and it's raining and we can't stop the rain and it's too cold or it's too hot or and it it reminds us it gives us a perspective of where we are in the universe and that there are a lot of other creatures, a lot of other priorities, uh, that we can't control everything, that we're part of something grander than ourselves. And it's almost at its best, almost a religious experience. People talk about the cathedral of the wilderness. And, you know, I think anybody who's been to Goat Rocks uh, in southern Washington on the PCT sort of understands that. You you go there, you see the mountains, uh, you see the, the mountain goats, And that is a cathedral, and it is a great inheritance that we have as Americans, that we have the PCT, the AT, the CDT, and the PNT, and and can enjoy them. And so get off the couch and check them out. Well, Nicholas Kristoff, thanks so much for talking with me today. Oh, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. And it's, uh, you know, it's just nice to talk about something important like hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. (laughs) See ya. Nicholas Kristoff is a two time Pulitzer Prize winning columnist for The New York Times, an avid section hiker fitting in all 2,653 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail during his vacation time from the paper. 
He's now working on the Pacific Northwest Trail in sections, America's newest national scenic trail crossing 1,200 miles of Washington, Idaho, and Montana. And he tells me it's particularly grueling because there's no continuous path. And the guidebook often says things like, bushwhack for the next seven miles until you reach the next trail. For many of us, like Christoph, backpacking is something we do to reconnect with nature, revitalize the senses, and challenge ourselves in body, mind, and spirit. Sure, there's the concrete and matter-of-fact aspects of how we get ourselves on the trail and how we walk it, but it's the why that keeps us going and returning. In the United States, there's an enormous amount of protected wilderness giving us plenty of reasons to explore. And these astonishingly beautiful places are our shared heritage, and for the most part, the access is free. Nicholas Kristof did mention the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, which is part of the Department of Agriculture. There's an entire section on their website on conservation as well as recreation. You can find out more at USDA.gov. Of course, at The Trek, we cover a wealth of topics for hikers of all levels, from beginner to through-hiker, including gear reviews and topics in the news, advocacy issues, and also trail suggestions. You can find us online at thetrek.co. I should mention that while Nicholas Kristof writes a column for The New York Times, he has also written about backpacking in our national scenic trails for Backpacker Magazine and the National Geographic. You can also follow his current hike of the PNT on Facebook. Thanks so much for listening to Walking Distance. Original music was composed by Daniel Nass. And also thanks to today's title sponsor, Gossamer Gear, manufacturers of high-quality, lightweight backpacking gear and accessories. You can save 15% on your next order at gossamergear.com. Just use code WALKINGDISTANCE at checkout. All one word, WALKINGDISTANCE. Again, save 15% off your order at gossamergear.com by using the code WALKINGDISTANCE. I'm Blissful Hiker, and you've been listening to Walking Distance from The Trek. The Trek.